0: The following content is not suitable for children. Amazing things that pursuers can do other than getting angry and critical.
1: Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon,
0: your couples therapist.
1: And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other.
0: Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body.
1: Just as we begin, please remember to check out UberLube. UberLube.com is where you can get this great lubricant and help support 4 Radio.
0: How can a pursuer learn to love a withdrawer when they go away? What do you think, Lori?
1: I like this. it seems like a... Relevant topic for me as a pursuer. All right. (laughs) I sometimes will help my pursuing couples. I don't do this all the time, but I have a pursuing female right now, and something happened in their sexual relationship. She's very beautiful, and somehow or another he doesn't tell her that, doesn't compliment her, and has withdrawn sexually. And there were a lot of problems between the two of them that were kind of minor but now she's intentional about restoring their sexual relationship, and he's withdrawing. And so what happens is with little things, when he doesn't respond the way she expects, she'll get angry, she'll want to leave the relationship. I mean, she's just hot on a dime about, not in a good way, but in a bad way, you know, about wanting to leave the relationship. And she'll be angry, she'll be cold, she'll, she'll do these things. And so in between sessions sometimes... I'll take a letter from her and I'll help her reconstruct those ideas. Like, how could you say it differently? How could you say it in a way that I know will work better for him? Like, really just kind of translating for her, her emotions in ways that will engage him with better language.
0: Yes, that's great. For me, it feels very similar to what we talked about last time, It's a two-part process, and most pursuers blow past that first part, which is how do I do me differently? There's so much focus on what they need to do differently to get their withdrawn partner to do something or not do something. Mm -hmm. But what they can control their own part of it. That's, to me, that what is a pursuer doing? We get the need to protest because that protest is their hope. They're saying, you know what, I read the book. If you read this book, we have more common language to kind of do something differently and I can't get you to read the book. I can't get you to communicate during sex. I can't get you engaged. It's like any move they try, they're getting rejected from their partner, from their disengagement. And that's incredibly frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're
0: not trying to make this sound easy. We get how hard it is when you're doing more than your fair share of the work and you're not being met in that place. It is but hard. It,
1: it, it, right. I, I, I want to say that reiterate that because... They get told they're bitchy or they're critical or they're pushing, they're frustrating, or it's met with silence, it's met with a lack of response. So I think pursuers, the, the tendency, right, is to do it harder. I'm not right. getting through, I'm not being understood, so they want to push harder.
0: And it's coming from a beautiful place because they want something different. They know things could be better. They're not giving up. We love the energy, the spirit that's behind the push, you know, but one of the first things I'm trying to get pursuers is to recognize is there's so much focus on their partner that they don't recognize the root of it, which is this feeling of being rejected, Mm -hmm. of giving your all of trying and not having that met. That's a pretty bad place. How do they not feed that rejection by also leaving it to go to their partner? How can they learn to comfort themselves in that rejection? To be able to say, hey, listen, I did read the book. You know, I, I am open to feedback. I'm doing my part. Like to, to give that responsiveness to self really starts to calm down that pushing energy. Mm-hmm. Does that make it sense? That first part was well, so I, No, quick. I'm going to
1: ask you questions about it because I, I right. want you to explain this. I... I think I'm getting it, but I want to understand this. Okay, how do they give response to themselves? Like, what do you mean when you say that?
0: Well, that's why I always like to name the trigger and that raw spot that it hits. So when the partner doesn't engage, there's an ouch. I mean, that's the whole essence of why they do all what they're doing. They're trying to deal with that ouch, that part in them that gets hurt, and they're trying to push their partner to do something differently so that ouch would then be calmed. That's what right? the withdrawer is doing. No, that's what the pursuer is doing.
1: Okay. So the, uh,
0: <laughs> so listen.
1: I'm if, not certified if, yet. <laughs> I'm close. Okay. I'm getting it's, close. My
0: language might not have been clear. Okay. If you are the pursuer yeah, and I'm the withdrawer, Okay. And this is fictional.
1: Never so we, happens. People don't
0: freak out Never if you're talking about sex or anything like <laughs> no. that. Right? Even but emotionally.
1: If, emotionally,
0: right. If you want to connect right.
1: with me yep.
0: and I disengage, what that's going to cause is an ouch inside of you. Your heart wants something nice. It wants to connect. And all of a sudden, I'm not engaging. So the root of this is an ouch, which is I'm not engaging, I'm rejecting you, you're alone. Yeah, right? I feel That's pushed the,
1: back. I feel pushed back. Right, yeah, I feel rejected, and I can tell myself a million things about that that make it hurt even more. <laughs> yes, you know, that, like like okay, I'm I'm no good, I'm not worthy. If it were about sex, I'd be saying, you know, he doesn't think I'm attractive. I guess I just don't do it for him. All that kind of stuff would be going on.
0: Exactly. So if the heart of the problem is the ouch that you feel rejected, the solution that you're trying to get from me is to get me to engage, to comfort you in that place. That's what all the pushing is trying to get me to do. Mm -hmm. Right. But what I'm saying is that's part two. How do you learn instead of you getting critical to yourself, beating yourself up, saying, There I go again. I have bad timing. I always have so much to say. I'm too much. Like, how do you learn how to respond to yourself differently? If you know the heart of it is rejection, how do you accept yourself? How do you learn to be appreciative or comforting or nurturing or responsive to your ouch? Right, mm-hmm. taking that moment to say, "Wait a second, you know this this does hurt," but I know in my heart that I'm not too much for what I'm asking for. I'm just trying to fight for my relationship. Gosh, I'm I just got, trying to fight for love.
1: I, I want to say that the the too much trigger that is straight from childhood. Mm-hmm. The pursuer has gotten the message from their parents in some way. I believe that their requests, their demands were too much, and that one like goes straight into the heart. I think definitely I feel that sometimes in relationship and sometimes I hear that from my patients that are pursuers all the time. You know, it's like, okay, I'm just too demanding. Are you saying, Lori, I should just give up my needs or my wants? And you're saying, no, it's how do they comfort themselves by saying they're not too much Ha- exactly, but sometimes I mean, George, they are too much. We'll, we'll get to that mm, okay. sometimes part, but okay. just to Stop, stay John.
0: with hot, heart, how heartbreaking that is. That it's not your fault. The person's not engaging that you feel rejected and alone, But that's only the first bad part. Now here comes the second wave, which is how you start to feel, you start to agree with that message. I deserve this, I am too much. I have been, and here comes all these negative voices. That criticism, now that that partner's not there, starts to turn inward, right? And of course, that's only gonna feed the desperation. And that's why that protest can get so fast, so quick. But pursue his work is learning, instead of being so critical or hard on myself, how do I learn to give myself that compassion that I'm looking for from my partner? To recognize the truth in this moment, which, what am I so guilty of? I'm trying to love better. I'm trying to get closer. Trying is to this have more so, sex. Is this so egregious that I deserve all of this negativity surrounding me? Right, right. 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 If you could get a pursuer to say that to themselves, to imagine talking to that little girl inside themselves or that little boy to say, hey, listen, you know, you are worthy of love. You do deserve to have sex. You do deserve to have connection, that you're doing the best you can, that good enough is the target we're aiming for. And you're nailing that. What do you think that would be like for a pursuer?
1: I think if that were the counter voice right inside. Yes, counter voice. I love it. You know, that would be like the support that they're looking for, which you're, what you're saying is as pursuers, we can give that to ourselves. We can say, hey, this this thing that we're going for, more sex, more connection, or, or maybe it's just like more help around the household. This is going to make our family function better. It's, yep. it's not a bad thing what they're wanting, and it's it's usually not unreasonable. It's
0: beautiful um, intentions.
1: Yeah, and it's it will connect us further with our partners, so it's a good thing. So we want this kind counter voice. I, I will say that as a therapist, sometimes patients come in and say that they hear my voice when they're in that distressed moment, that they're wanting more sex, and they hear, you know, Lori says that sex creates intimacy. It's a good thing. So it's like it bolsters their heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. When they're feeling vulnerable.
0: So key what you're saying, right? That kind counter voice, what it does is on on a physiological level, it regulates us. Mm -hmm. right it brings this sense of calmness this sense of lowering this reactivity you're not drowning you don't just have this tunnel vision you need to kind of have a little that self-soothing to then get curious like why is my partner not engaging i can't even think about what's going on in my partner's world when i'm on fire inside my own world Mm -hmm. right this is a way of just calming that down to then get to part two which is why the heck is my partner not wanting sex right now Mm -hmm. why is my partner walking away from me? Why do I see that blank face? There's something going on there with your partner that it's almost impossible to be curious about when you are drowning in your own reactivity.
1: And you're beating yourself up, right? Yes. I'm too much. I think if we come out of a childhood where our parents kind of did manage this and, and told us, yeah, I understand you're why you're upset about this. They helped us understand our emotions, gave us kind of emotional intelligence by describing and, and labeling what we were feeling. I mean, we we hold that forever in our hearts. That does keep us calm. And what you're saying, I think, George, is even if you do come from a good childhood, there's going to be moments that you escalate and you, you feel the the fire when you've asked your partner something for something and they're not responding. But it's... You're talking about earning security, that we calm ourselves down so that over the long haul, the, the long arc in the relationship, we don't get so reactive. We stay calm knowing that our needs are worthwhile. It's okay to have these needs. In fact, it's good.
0: And those images of security. That might be your grandmother holding you. It might be your image of God. It might be moments where your partner mm. responded to you. The felt sense of that, the beauty of, of our body doesn't know time, it, it always holds on to it. All we have to do is access that image and we bring that sense of calmness. Mm. So yes, what I'm trying to bring is some sense of the opposite of rejection is acceptance. I don't care where that acceptance comes, but the more I can bring a little of that into that pursuer's world and start settling it down, then we can get to part two, which is let's get curious about what's going on for your partner, why they're withdrawing, and how do we try to take that less personal? How do we learn to speak to that place? So let's talk about that after
1: break. Okay. We really want you to check out Uberloop.com with the coupon foreplay It's a great lubricant. It's the one that I've been recommending for years. And I recommend it because it is a great glide. It has no taste. It has no smell. And so you can use it throughout your lovemaking experience. That would be an awesome feel for you to try this if you haven't already tried it. It's also made from basically silicone. And what's good about silicone, I don't know if I've said this before, but it doesn't get easily absorbed into the body. So some lubricants get gummy and actually create a drag. And that is a not good feeling, but this one stays on the surface of the skin. It's not absorbed. So it's always gliding. And that is great for touching, great for sexual intercourse.
0: Save 10%
1: when you use the coupon code foreplay at uberlube.com. George, successinvulnerability.com, your new training site. You have a new module.
0: Yes, so excited about this, Lori. Module two, working with secondary emotion, anger, withdrawal, protection, and blocks, the way people really, for good reasons put up these detours in session. And and most of the time it throws therapists off and and therapists start to feel like they're failing and get really frustrated, judgmental, problem solved. And they miss the beautiful opportunity these blocks to really pivot and become flexible. And really it's the process telling us where we need to go. We just need to learn how to embrace these blocks. So I'm so excited about this module. So please, therapists, listen, and you want to get better at your craft, sign up and join us.
1: George's new module in successandvulnerability.com. it out, talking about secondary emotions and blocks. George, you asked us to think of an image that was comforting to calm down the fire when we're the pursuer and we bring forward our needs to our partner and we get that sense of rejection. And I, I just wanted to say, you know, I lost my therapist this week. Oh, no. I wasn't with her currently, but she was my longest term therapist. Her name was Dr. Jean York. An amazing person, and I would just like to dedicate this whole episode to Dr. York. She really helped me, and, and she is one of the images that I use in my mind to feel calm. I mean, I would often come into session and say, oh, I got something bad to tell you. And she's like, oh, you know I love all that. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> and it was just this sense of so much acceptance and, and her right. being on my side. I heard her voice and still hear her voice fact, I've just thought of her recently as somebody on my side who understood my way of thinking and understood my position. And I think that you're saying to help calm down and not be so reactive to our partner's rejection or withdrawal is how can we access that image. And and she was one that I always used to feel calmer. What do you do when you are pursuing and need to feel calmer if your partner is rejecting you? I just, I
0: just, sorry for your loss.
1: Thank you. I think it's. Thank you. She was a lovely soul.
0: I I can see as you're describing her, just your sense of calmness that comes over you, Mm -hmm. even though she's no longer here, just thinking about her voice and saying, I like that stuff. She's on your side, she's fighting for you, she's curious yeah. for you. Like we all need people like that in our life.
1: Oh no, and I'm we cry. I haven't cried about this. Yeah.
0: It's we carry we carry them with us forever.
1: Yeah. Attachment figures, right? People who yeah. loved us, who were our champions.
0: So that's exactly what I'm trying to remind myself in those moments where I start to get really reactive and feel like I'm not being heard and this is unfair, and I start to kind of get to that place of rejection to find I, I like talking to that little boy inside me. Hmm. right? I imagine myself, and maybe I struck out at a baseball game. I just go back in time, and I take an episode where I kind of felt bad and I felt a little rejected. And I imagine myself just kind of going up and saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to do some great things. You know, I give that little kid a hug and I just kind of, kind of, it, it's amazing what that image of me giving myself a hug does to calm my nervous system down. Hmm. Right. And, and it's from that place that I could start saying, all right, now what, what just happened here? Like I thought I was doing something good. I was reaching out and whack, it happened so fast that rejection piece. Mm-hmm. So that to me then is the part two. Like, how do I get curious? Why did my partner want to, not want to engage? Mm-hmm. I, I know my partner f- finds space safe. It's not safe for me because it triggers this rejection. But I got to start getting like, what was threatening for my partner? Mm-hmm. What was it about me giving feedback in bed? Or what was it about whatever it is that I did? I know I had good intentions, but it didn't land that way. hmm it's amazing what happens when we can start taking our partner's move a little less personal mm-hmm. and really keep our focus on them instead of us.
1: Right. I, I call this taking the wider lens. Nice. Like my story and somehow or another remembering their story. Mm. Uh, and this is one of the things that the patient in the beginning that I talked about, when she's really recommitted to making their sex life good again, the wider lens is that it's not that he doesn't think she's attractive. That's, that's her primary message that she hears. But it's that he felt rejected early in the relationship sexually. And so he's guarding himself from reengaging with her sexually because he's afraid that he'll be rejected. And that, like, just reminding her of that, I can hear her like, oh, yeah. That does calm her down, even the wider lens, like there is another story, another side to the story. Sometimes when I'm upset with my husband or I feel rejected or I'm angry, hearing his side of the story, my withdrawing partner, when he comes forward and he tells me, even when it's hard to hear that, it it calms me down just a little bit, like, oh, yeah, it's not that you're just crazy or you're selfish or you just don't love me and you've withdrawn. There's like, there's a whole nother thing that's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's helpful to hear that. And when I'm just trying to calm down myself, that's what I remind myself of. Like there's gotta be another side to this. That is not just about my partner, not loving me. I mean, they they have a a side to the story that will be important to hear.
0: Yeah. I love how you're, When you're grounded and a little bit more open, not only can you get curious about your husband's side of the story, but you could also take ownership for how easy it is to start piling on. You finally get an opening. So your body wants to take it and it wants to bring up other examples. It really wants to highlight and make a point. The intention in that is beautiful. It just wants more and it deserves more, but it doesn't recognize the delivery of the intent to somebody who's so primed to criticism how quickly they can pick it up and then want to retreat so that's the balance it's being open to feedback just like a withdrawer we're trying to help pursue is recognize they actually are more critical than most of the time they realize because they really true. believe in criticism and they really believe it, it's motivation for change and to say nothing is actually the worst alternative. To stay silent means nothing's happening. That's why pursuers will take a fight over nothing because there's some engagement, there's some responsiveness. To really help that part two is helping pursuers get how they've overdeveloped that muscle of pushing that they really don't know how to kind of then back off and see the power. Balance is knowing how to do both. Push when it's appropriate and take space and back off when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. So how do we help that pursuer develop that muscle
1: memory? I think what you said, like pursuers don't realize the intensity, the volume, the criticalness of their words. Sometimes they are caught up in the desire for change. So the the method that they're using, they're not quite aware of its effect Mm -hmm. on their partner. Sometimes in session, I ask my pursuing clients, like, what number are you at? Scale of one to ten. Like what where do you think you are in terms of intensity as you state this? You know, and usually it's a lower number, it's like three. And then I'll ask their partner, what number do you experience that as? Like what how much intensity is this coming at you? And they'll say, Oh, you know, it's like a seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And I think they the pursuing partner maybe over a lesser incident. Or in a review of the fight or of the conflict, they might say, you know, how intense did you experience me? You know, just to kind of get a little bit of feedback that says, wow, for me, I'm just dumping it out there. Conflict's okay for me. I grew up in a family with a bunch of that. It's not a big deal. I just, you know, I blow up and then it's all over, right? Yeah. And their partner is completely shut down because of that, that intensity, the tone of voice, the volume of their voice. Yes. Um, So sometimes I appreciate
0: what you're saying that baseline for anxiety or that kind of higher energy, they get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Their partner has less tolerance for it. So that same, they score it very differently. Right, Mm -hmm. that's a good it's a good image to have. And the last thing, I don't want our listeners to think that we're pathologizing or blaming this pushing energy. Like we want them to get more empowered with just recognizing how often they go down this road because they so believe in it it's gonna create change. They don't recognize how actually active their criticism that can become like. So in session, when I work with couples, I'm waiting for that moment when a pers- withdrawer actually admits to something or tries to engage for that pursuer to come in with a butt or another story because that piling on is just their hope that if they could just finally get through, that their partner is really going to, Follow through with these changes. They're not wrong for doing it. They just don't recognize that what they're hoping is going to be motivating actually does the opposite for their partner. Mm-hmm. When you understand their partner's world, it's raising emotional temperature and their strategies to kind of turn that down by going away.
1: As a pursuer, taking the inch instead of asking for the mile, you know, like just saying, okay, you gave me a little opening and, and that's progress kind of reassuring myself, there will be time for other conversations. There will be plenty of time for us to resolve all of this later. This is good. It's hard to do though.
0: It sounds like a great theory. But when you've read the whole book and you've wanted to talk about it for two weeks and your partner comes in and wants to talk about one paragraph for two minutes and just gets opens up the door for you to get activated and then doesn't want to have a conversation, it's hard to kind of hold back those floodgates.
1: Absolutely, it is. So how do we help them be comfortable with the paragraph instead of the whole book? What would you say to them? What would you say to yourself?
0: Uh, it's so hard to stop those tapes, but if you notice those tapes that are saying, are you kidding me? Here we go again. I mean, that's all I get. I've been waiting two weeks, and this is what I get. And the game's almost over by then, because once you start going into that place, (laughs) right? But you know, that self-soothing is trying to say, you know, before I wait a second, you know what? I do have a right to be frustrated here. It's something, but it's 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 not really what I'm looking for. I need more, and that's okay. Because I don't want to go down this road to beat myself up. But now it's trying to communicate that to my partner. It's trying to say, I appreciate you read that paragraph. And I don't want to be critical because I know what that does to you. But I also want you to be able to recognize kind of where I'm at that, you know what, my heart wants so much more. And that's not a bad thing. But that's what I get from that message when you don't want to engage. That what I want is too much. You know, And I need you to say, if you can't respond, that's fine, but you need to be able to tell me it's okay for my heart to want more, that mm-hmm. you're kind of rooting for that. Mm-hmm. I get that from want my partner. Want more
1: connection, right?
0: You want more connection, you want you more want conversation. You want more connection
1: and conversation about this that will help you. That's the motive. It's not that you're trying to push me into a place that I don't want to go, it's that you're longing for connection, That would be really soothing if the withdrawer would say that.
0: (laughs) But feel how different that is. You're the pursuer. If I'm the withdrawer and I say to you, I'm working on this, right? This is my problem. I'm not sure how to engage more, but you absolutely have a right to want more. Mm -hmm. That's not you being too much. I'm so sorry you take that message when I go away.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What is that like for you to hear?
1: Well, it feels welcoming, right? It feels like I'm being seen for a a good motive instead of being rejected because I'm somehow or another overwhelming them too much, bad. That feels much better. I mean, I I can kind of even feel, as you say that, just in pretend like my stomach relaxes a little bit. That's a good thing.
0: Withdrawers can learn to fight for their pursuers instead of fighting against their pursuers. And all it takes is that acknowledgement, which is the truth. This person, this pursuer is coming towards me because they want more. And that intention is beautiful. Even though the way it shows itself is often messy. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledgement of that alone starts to calm things down and starts to bridge the distance. Yeah. And what is the withdrawer doing in that moment? They're able to see their pursuer, not as a monster, but as somebody who's trying to create change. The opposite of rejection is acceptance. That is me as a withdrawer starting to accept you.
1: Even and it doesn't mean that the withdrawer has to agree or do what their partner wants, exactly. or or change and be different. It's just crediting the motive that that my partner wants something good for us. It doesn't necessarily feel that way to me at this moment, but that's where their heart's at.
0: We're starting to figure this stuff out,
1: Lori. Thanks for listening, y'all. Keep it up, baby. And P.S., please tune in to our Patreon page so that you can catch the next exclusive episode and our next Facebook Live.
0: We appreciate you joining us to spread this really important message. Call in your questions to the foreplay question voicemail. Dial 833-MY4PLAY. That's 833, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.